Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, CKCC Radio proudly brings to you its Motorsports Podcast Champion of the Universe. I'm Matt Hardman, and this is the Race Nerd Podcast. As you can tell, I'm a little excited because guess what? We have officially entered the beginning of race season, uh, Motorsports finally kicked off, uh, not that it already hadn't with uh, the 24 hours of Daytona, but we just went through super speed weeks, and when I say super, uh, there was a lot to cover, and I'm going to try to cover it all in this episode. Uh, For those of you who were waiting for an episode last week, uh, we had one that covered everything up until the Daytona 500, and well, a lot had happened since then. But let's get to our pop quiz knows. Before we get to all that, uh, this week's pop quiz knows comes from fan of the show and good personal friend Ed Ballow, who posed this question. In this year's Daytona 500 field, what what two drivers, let me rephrase, let me phrase this right. What two drivers... Uh, have actually had IndyCar experience uh, in run in either IndyCar or the old Champ Car series, which had merged into IndyCar. Uh, answer at the end of the show, and one of them will surprise you. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about. As you can tell, I'm a little excited. I'm a little hyped. And not Mojo Raleigh type. Ugh. Ugh. Nobody ever wants to be Mojo Holly. Mojo. Mojo Tojo. Mojo Raleigh. Whatever. Mojo Jojo. I don't know. I totally forgot about that guy until I mentioned hyped. <laughs> anyway. Um, we got a lot to talk about. And let's kick off with uh, qualifying at Daytona that saw. 44 cars trying to make a 40 car field uh, and at the end of the day you had eight drivers all trying to fight their way in for four spots that are not guaranteed uh, through the charter system uh, those drivers actually would be Ryan Priest, David Reagan Garrett Smithley, Ty Dillon, Timmy Hill, Noah Gregson, and I am missing one, I believe. Uh, Hold on. (laughs) Chase Briscoe. Chase Briscoe being the final one to... Uh, on that list of eight. And four of them, by the end of Thursday, would be going home. Well, not necessarily home, because some of them will be competing this upcoming weekend at the road course at Daytona. That's why I'm saying it's a super speed week, because instead of one week at Daytona, we get two. Which kind of sucks for the people who are hoping to catch a race in Fontana, California. But... 
Cal Southern California's lockdown tighter than Folsom Prison. <sighs> anyway, so... At the end of qualifying on Sunday, we saw the Hedrick Motorsports teammates of Alex Bowman and William Byron starting first and second in Sunday's race. And would see... Ryan Priest and David Reagan being the fastest of the eight go-or-go-home drivers. Uh, no real surprises in qualifying. Uh, I know Noah Gregson did not make it out onto the track uh, due to failing inspection and not. And once he made it through, he didn't. He missed his spot in qualifying, so he would have to race his way in on Sunday. And that 62 uh, beard oil team was already running uh, high on emotion uh, after losing uh, their team owner Mark Beard uh, unexpectedly. So it, it set up for a lot that would go on with them and we kind of put them behind the eight ball to begin with. Uh, we would move on. Monday there wasn't a whole lot going on at the track. Tuesday would be the Bush Clash. The Invitational Race, which saw uh, winners, poll winners, former Bush Clash winners, and anybody who won a stage race uh, during 2020. Usually, uh, the Bush Clash is only open to drivers who would qualify for it by winning a poll or being a previous winner of the Bush Clash and would have been competing in all of 2020. Uh, at the end of the day, that one uh, had a any typical Daytona finish. You know, guy comes out of nowhere to win. Uh, kind of setting up a precedent for the weekend. Um, as Kyle Busch would win the Bush Clash, you figure... Kyle Busch, Bush Clash should be no-brainer. Uh, as Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney got together on the final lap, uh, Blaney and Elliott, who are very, very close friends off the track, um, both said that it was just a racing incident and there was nothing more behind it. Um, and they both put it in the past. You know, does it count as points? It's just all for money. So... We move on to Thursday. Thursday would be the dual races that would set the field. Uh, Alex Bowman leading uh, race one and race two would be William Byron. Uh, both of the Hendrick drivers would find themselves in a little bit of trouble. But first in race one, uh, clean race that was won by Eric Amarola who had the strongest car of both the duels um, pretty much it was his race to lose. Uh, Bowman would have engine troubles in the race. Thankfully not enough to uh, cause him to lose his spot in the 500. Uh, but the big news of that race were the drivers who would have to race their way in. Uh, Priest would race his way in by beating out Ty Dillon by a matter of two feet. Two feet. Two feet was basically 
uh, Ty Dillon getting into the Daytona 500 or whether he would have to wait and see um, how David Reagan or any of the other drivers would finish to find out if he would be on the list to go home. Uh, with Priest making the race, um, by racing his way in, the time would go to the next fastest driver. Uh, in this case, it would go to... It would go to... Um, I'm drawing a blank. Austin Sindrick. I don't know why I keep drawing a blank on Austin Sindrick, and he's going to play a part in this weekend's events. So, Sindrick and Priest would make it in in race one. Race two would see David Reagan... Um, make it his way in along with Kaz Grella who uh, would wreck his car in the second duel but he'd have to rely on his time to make the field uh, in essence sending Ty Dillon Garrett Smithley Timmy Hill and Noah Gregson all back home to North Carolina for the weekend uh, Dillon and all four of those drivers, actually, their weekends wouldn't be over because they would all be competing in the Xfinity race. Uh, so, by the end of Duel 2, which did not end until a little after 12 on Friday morning, uh, due to rain showers that popped up in between uh, Race 1 and Race 2, uh, kind of set the field. Friday, we would run... the. Friday would be the showcase for the truck series as they would run uh, their season opener uh, with uh, sorry with um, Ben Rhodes uh, winning the the truck series race there um, trucks had a good a good show uh, which featured at the end of the race would be a three truck shootout to the checkered flag with Rhodes beating out uh, Jordan Anderson for the second year in a row Anderson finishes runner up uh, not bad for a um, for a small underfunded team and also Corey Roper a driver who much like Anderson is driving for a small underfunded team uh, so this was really big for both of those both of those teams gave him a real shot in the arm, and the news was just announced that uh, CarQuest Auto Parts will be sponsoring uh, for at least half the season, I believe it said, uh, with uh, Roper. Uh, Anderson, who has got a couple of different sponsors, most notably from the Bomberell Auto Group uh, out of Missouri, uh, they will be sponsoring him for pretty much the entire season along with some other sponsors and this is a big boost for both of those teams so Saturday we would have a double header we would have first have the Arkham Menard series uh, start the day and then the Xfinity race uh, Arca would see Corey Haim be pushed to the win by his Venturini Motorsports teammate Drew Dollar in a race that it was what you would expect, um, the ARCA series, which is really a, a stepping stone into the trucks and uh, Xfinity and so on and so on, all the way up the ladder. Uh, it was 
a little bit of a wreck fest, but not as bad as you'd expect. Uh, but it did feature names like Dave Mater, uh, the third, and Rich Bickle, uh, two drivers who had already gone up the ranks in the Cup Series. Um, Bickle, who is a former winner in the Truck Series and had run uh, in the Cup Series for a while. Uh, unfortunately, they would both be nod factors in the race, uh, in a race that saw Ty Dillon, who made some unflammatory remarks um, complaining about his fourth place finish and this and that, uh, really drew the ire of some people. He said that uh, when they go to Phoenix, uh, they'll actually be at a real racetrack and stuff like that. Really kind of catching the ire of a lot of people, including Dale Jarrett, who pointed out that uh, Ty's grandfather the coach Joe Gibbs um, the owner of Joe Gibbs Racing obviously uh, won his first race as an owner at Daytona and just had to point that out and Ty's gotten on a lot under a lot of fan skin with some of his comments and his antics uh, many people liken him to a new Kyle Busch uh, I kind of see that uh, but I digress Anyway, Saturday, uh, after the race, we would see the Xfinity Series. We would see guys like Kyle Busch and Ty Dillon and Austin Sindrick. Um, unfortunately, qualifying was rained out, so Jordan Anderson missed the chance for to um, avenge that loss that he... That win that he just missed out on. Not that loss, but the win he just missed out on. And that would uh, set a, a, a feeling on how that race was going to go. Uh, with a green track, uh, we saw many, many wrecks um, taking out top contenders like the Junior Motorsports team, uh, Justin Haley, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it was Austin Sindrick, who had just barely made it into the Daytona 500, picking up a win and uh, starting off his um, his 2021 season, where he is coming in as the reigning Xfinity Series champion. Well, to a good start. And uh, this would really set the pace uh, for the weekend. And then comes Sunday. The big race. Um, in this, there is so much to talk about. Uh, so many stories going into it. Uh, would defending Cup Series champion Chase Elliott get his first Daytona 500, a race that his father had won twice? Uh, would Denny Hamlin be the first driver to win three Daytona 500s in a row? Uh, something that had never done before. Uh, would drivers like Kyle Busch or Brad Keselowski win their first? Could Joey Logano or Kevin Harvick win a second? You know, what about uh, dual race number two driver 
well, the the winner of the second duel race, let me rephrase that, the winner of the second duel race, Austin Dillon, followed that up with his second career Daytona 500, or would Eric Amarola pick up his first after such a strong showing? Or would we have a win out of nowhere with guys like uh, Austin Sindrick or Cole Custer or Kyle Larson? Or even a Russ Chastain or a Michael McDowell. So the race starts. Um, and we have in the field multiple winners in the past. Even going back to 1990 where Derek Cope would be making his final Daytona 500 appearance. And Cope's day would end prematurely on lap 3 after blowing a tire and hitting the wall. Uh, the race would return to green, then a major, major pileup that would take out a number of contenders on like Martin Truex Jr., uh, the 43 of Eric Jones, uh, Alex Bowman, uh, Matt DiBenedetto, a, um, a fan favorite and a driver who has been very strong at Daytona. Uh, in previous years, uh, would the race would also take out Ryan Blaney, another driver who was very strong. Many others got damaged, that, but were able to continue. Um, but uh, we shortly after after that. The rains started, we would see a five-hour rain delay. The race would not start again till a little after nine. Uh, I took the time to actually... Fox would play, would replay the Bush Clash and replay the Golden Hour, one of their FS1 uh, race hub specials on the, the uh, making of the film... Days of Thunder, which was released last year in honor of the 30th anniversary of the film. I thought it was great. After that, I just took a nap. I woke up uh, part of the way through the end of the at the end of the second stage. Nothing really to write home about uh, during all that. But everything starts picking up right around. 10, 15 to go as everybody's jockeying to put themselves in position. Um, and the last lap, we would see a second big one that would take out a number of the contenders heading towards the checkered flag uh, as Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski, Penske teammates, would get together uh, along with. Ryan Priest, uh, Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain, Kyle Busch, Bubba Wallace, and Austin Sindrick. That name has come up quite a bit, hasn't it? Um, but Elliott and Larson uh, were able to continue on to the checkered flag along with Priest, but we'd see a really hard hits by um, Keselowski, Logano, and Bush. Uh, 
Uh, Bubba Wallace was also in that wreck as well. Um, an inauspicious debut for uh, the 23-11 team. But coming to the checkered line, uh, under yellow would be first-time winner Michael McDowell. Uh, McDowell, after years and years of toiling uh, for underfunded teams and um, bouncing back and forth between the trucks and Bush in whatever series after 358 races starts without a win becomes the 8th ever driver to win their first race in the Daytona 500 and he's in some good company here uh, Tiny Lund would be the first driver to win their to win his first race at the 500 in a race that was notable for the fact that uh, Lund, who was a sportsman driver at the time, uh, came to the rescue of Marvin Panch, who um, Panch had uh, wrecked uh, in the qualifier and was not able to race. And Lund, who had um, pulled Panch out of the wrecked race car, uh, talked to team owners uh, Glenn and Leonard Wood, uh, the famous Wood Brothers and wanted Lund to replace them. Lund repaid them with their uh, with a win in that race. Uh, Mario Andretti would do it four years after Lund did it in a one-off race for Holman Moody Motorsports, the famed Holman Moody team. Uh, two years before he would win his first and only Indianapolis 500. Uh, Northerner Pete Hamilton from Massachusetts would do it in his 21st race in 1970. 20 years later, we would have Derek Cope who would win it in his 72nd race. Um, They would be the first of two wins that Cope would have that year, his only two wins. Uh, and for those of you who have been living under a rock, Derek Cope's win uh, was the uh, Dale Earnhardt cut tire race, uh, a race that saw Earnhardt pretty much have the 500 nailed down into the last turn when he ran over a piece of debris and cut a tire. Uh, Mark, uh, Sterling Marlin would do it four years after that, uh, winning in his 279th race, and then would come back the very next year and win again, being only, at that time only one of three drivers to win the race uh, two years in a row. Uh, then we move on to 2001, where after 463 races, uh, Michael Waltrip finally puts one on the scoreboard. Uh, As I was about to say, uh, unfortunately, Waltrip's very first win will always be overshadowed uh, for it being the race where we lost Dale Earnhardt. Uh, Ten years after Waltrip's first win, uh, Trevor Bain, who only in his second start would win the Daytona 500, also for the Wood Brothers race team. Uh, Bain, it would be his only career win as um, 
health issues would kind of curtail his career. Um, it was diagnosed later on that season that he had suffered from Lyme disease and had to get out of the car for a short period of time. Uh, coming back but not being the same driver that he was and um, he still races part-time but mainly he's stuck to a um, owning a coffee shop so it's very unique um, but McDowell's win uh, there was a, a lot of people and I will say this there are a lot of people who were you know, very excited for this young man, a very humble um, and quiet young man, a family man, uh, first and foremost, uh, and they were all really happy to see, you know, his his career, um, you know, he finally win, uh, I saw, I saw Michael McDowell win in the ARCA series many, many, many years ago. I believe it was 2007 or 2008. And it just kind of stuck with me. Uh, he would get a shot driving for Michael Waltrip Racing um, after uh, Dale Jarrett would retire uh, from the ride over there. Uh, he would move up as uh, their third driver, David Rudiman, would move over to replace uh, Jarrett after uh, the Bristol race that year. And, and Michael McDowell's Cup career was most known for uh, a wreck he had at Texas, which is probably the one of the scariest uh, wrecks I've ever seen in qualifying. Uh, totally destroyed the carts. The video is out there on YouTube. Um, McDowell was able to walk away. He had pieced together uh, a, a somewhat okay career. Had some good runs uh, early on for Levine Family Racing uh, prior to drivers like Casey Kane and Matt Benedetto and Christopher Bell taking that ride. Um, over the course of the next couple of years. Um, and... He would, only, he would win his only other NASCAR race in the Xfinity Series driving for uh, Richard Childress Racing. Uh, so, I mean, th this young man has certainly paid his dues uh, getting up the ladder uh, and doing it with a, with a team like uh, Front Row Motorsports, which is not always known for putting in competitive cars week after week. Um, and now this would be their third career win uh, as David Reagan would win with them at Talladega many years back and Chris Buescher uh, driver of the 17 car for Roush Racing would actually pick up his lone career win in a range shortened race at Pocono uh, so this is a big boost for the team uh, but there were even people on social media who believes that McDowell shouldn't have won it because uh, while he was uh, pushing Logano um, or he was pushing Keselowski uh, trying to push him by Logano um, that's what had made the contact um, 
Other people thought that Logano shouldn't have thrown the block when he did uh, on Keselowski, which caused the wreck. Uh, there were others who believed that the that NASCAR was too uh, arbitrary with their with the throw of their yellow flag. Um, and some that are as I was saying, some others on social media have criticized NASCAR for throwing the yellow flag when they did um, and pretty much contradicting past races where they've let the not throwing a yellow flag on the final lap as uh, the drivers were coming to the yellow. Um, the example that had been brought up was the 2007 Daytona 500 where a wreck took place in the middle of the pack as Kevin Harvick and Mark Martin raced to the checkered flag uh, with Harvick winning and Martin finishing runner-up uh, and I, I just think that's a, a silly argument as this was a little different as this wreck happened at the very front of the pack and NASCAR made the call to throw the yellow flag in the interest of safety because if your first two cars, three cars, uh, all wreck, and you have 20-something cars trying to get through, it turns into a log jam, which is many times how the, the big one, the big accident happens, is uh, drivers trying to get through and a wreck happening at the back of the pack or the middle of the pack. Uh, in the case of 2007, it also happened near the start-finish line. Uh, this was still uh, the f just coming out of the final corner to the uh, start-finish. So it's a little different circumstance, obviously. Um, people will complain. Um, but at the end of the day, McDowell wins, uh, picks up his first win, a very well-received win. Uh, even drivers like Denny Hamlin and all were congratulating him on social media uh, and, and saying that the right guy won. Um, it's going to be very interesting. I'm sure it was very interesting Monday morning uh, with the team meeting at uh, Penske, uh, Team Penske uh, with all three of their drivers uh, in the 500 involved in that wreck, um, Cindric, Keselowski, and Logano. Um, and there, and it's already been hinted between the two in previous interviews and all that. I don't think there's any love lost between them. Uh, so, you know, while things may not be, you know, said, I'm sure there's a little hostility there. You know, because Keselowski was so close to finally winning the 500. Um, one of the things on his bucket list he has yet to do. Uh, but there, there was that. There were a couple little footnotes that I found uh, fascinating. Uh, first, as I went through that list of first-time winners that have picked up their their first career win in the Daytona 500, I found it interesting that in the 20 years we've had three first-time winners 
and all of them have been 10 years apart. Uh, 2021 with McDowell, 2011 with Trevor Bain, and in 2001 with Michael Waltrip. I thought that was a unique stat. Uh, there was also, uh, as McDowell was celebrating with the heavy rains that had come earlier in the day, the uh, infield was waterlogged and uh, he needed a push after doing his his victory burnout uh, and was pushed out of the grass by Ross Chastain and I want to say it was uh, Corey LaJoy and I thought that was a great act of sportsmanship uh, as, as I said these guys um, they race together each and every weekend, and McDowell is very liked in the garage. Uh, even <laughs> despite what uh, Bubba Wallace said after last year's All-Star race, McDowell is still a very liked and respected driver uh, in in the garage area. Um, and, and I don't think Bubba could dispute that. Um, and... Uh, when he got back after doing all of his um, engagements for winning the 500, which uh, the very next morning would see his car enshrined in the, um, the, the museum there at Daytona, um, where it'll be on display for an entire year. And, and he would get his, his own version of the Harley J. Earl trophy, the trophy that's um, given away to the winner every year. Um, obviously, NASCAR keeps the one that's usually you see in the victory circle. They just put the driver's name on it in the year they won. Kind of like the Borg winner trophy for the Indianapolis 500. Uh, what was really cool was um, not only was McDowell welcomed at the airport uh, in Concord by his family, but other racers were there to to help celebrate with him, uh, like Eric Amarola and Ty Dillon and Blake Koch, a um, a former driver in the Xfinity series who's pretty close with um, Michael McDowell. So I, I think that there's just great sportsmanship among the among the drivers. Um, and in their admiration for what McDowell has said. Um, and this locks McDowell into the playoffs as of right now. Um, and he has a good shot of winning the next race coming up at the road course. As McDowell is very strong on road courses. Which actually keep that in mind when we talk about our trivia question. At the end of the show. Uh, another little little fascinating thing is what do drivers do during rain delays some will go back to their motor homes and catch a nap others will sit and watch tv others will actually hop in their their rental car and drive to get fast food um, marissa briscoe wife of uh, cup series rookie chase briscoe uh, had tweeted a picture um Posted a picture on Instagram of Chase still in his driving suit uh, going through the drive through of a local fast food restaurant. Uh, 
shortly after that, there was a picture of Ross Chastain, who had visited the local McDonald's there. Uh, Chastain, who does have a part-time, a, a, a partial season sponsorship uh, with McDonald's. Uh, that was a great thing, but um, just seeing how they did that, I, I found it kind of uh, chuckling and... Um, Briscoe, who you remember, was runner-up for last year's championship in the Xfinity Series after having that strong run and replacing uh, Clint Boyer in the 14 car for Stuart Haas. Um, speaking of Boyer, uh, Boyer and Jeff Gordon in the booth is... We weren't sure on how it would work. Um... You know, as Gordon is more straight-laced, um, and Boyer is known uh, is known for his sense of humor and his kind of partying lifestyle. Nah, I wouldn't say partying, but yeah, I guess you can. Uh, but I felt the two of them worked really good in the booth and really brought a lot of insight, a lot of knowledge, but a lot of fun uh, back to the booths. Um, something that that's lacking sometimes I, I've noticed with a lot of the calls um, in there and, and I think that that extra exuberance uh, really played out and I, I think that Fox Sports has definitely got something with the two of them in the booth along with play-by-play -play, uh, analyst um, Mike Joy I think that they are a great three-man booth um, other things um, Jamie Little uh, made her debut as the play-by-play -play announcer for uh, the Arca Menard series, becoming the first female to do that. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. And um, still kind of hit or miss. I think, I think Jamie is a great pit road commentator. Uh, personally, I would have rather seen Wendy Venturini get that job. Uh, but Wendy is a pit reporter for uh, the Performance Racing Network, uh, who does um, radio broadcasts for some for part of the season of NASCAR. I think, like I said, uh, Wendy would have been a better fit as her her father and her brother own a team in that series, and she's been long associated with that. Um, so I think, I per and personally, I think her personality comes off more uh, than Little's, as Little is kind of more like a, a, I don't want to say robotic, but um, more buttoned up um, type of announcer. Uh, other little tidbits, uh, Eric Jones will be starting started at the back of the field for the 500 and will be starting at the road course for a policy I do not agree with as um, if it turns out if you change an engine during the weekend of the 500 uh, you not only lose your starting spot and fall to the back of the field for that race but it continues on to the next race um, I think that while I agree with starting in the back of the field is to you know cut away from any kind of advantage you would have by changing your engine for that race. I don't believe it should affect the the next weekend's race. Um, 
As for as for this coming weekend, there are 40 cars entered. Uh, Ty Dillon will make a race this year. Uh, as all 40 that are entered will make the race. Um, and a notable thing is uh, Corey LaJoy will be running a Netflix-sponsored car. Um, while I haven't seen the car, I can only presume it's to promote the uh, the new Kevin James show, The Crew, uh, which features uh, the King of Queens as a NASCAR crew chief uh, on their on this new sitcom. Uh, that NASCAR is behind. Um, I've heard some not so great reviews of the show. I'm going to have to check it out if I ever get it, uh, some time away to actually sit and binge the show. Um, when I do, I'll give you my thoughts on that. Uh, other than that, it's just time to look forward to next week. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, had another had a show leading up to the 500, but that... Uh, I actually kind of blew the speaker out at the end of the show. The the mic, not the speaker, but the microphone out uh, at the end of the show while recording it because I was so hyped up, so amped up uh, for the 500. And, well, not just that, but also amped up on coffee and energy drinks at that point. And uh, it the sound quality at the end was horrible. So I apologize to any of you who waited for the episode that was supposed to come out last week. Um, we will be doing uh, the the special Dale Earnhardt uh, retrospective uh, as I'm recording this on Tuesday. We are Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. Uh, I will be recording this um, retrospective with Chris O'Mealy, uh, who you may have heard on a couple of shows here on CKCC Radio. Uh, we'll be recording that hopefully Wednesday night. Uh, so look forward to that. Um, it's going to be what they would call non-canon uh, because it is going to be a special separate from this week's episode. Um, and I'm going to try to squeeze in a special Patreon episode uh, where we look back at all the 500 winners and see um, where they would where they would place, you know, uh, which which races are memorable, which races are um, forgettable, and which ones. You know, little little news and notes on those uh, because we got over 60 years, 63 to be exact, uh, to go through. So we'll talk about everybody from Lee Petty to Michael McDowell. Uh, so with that said, uh, I'm going to wrap up with this week's trivia question and the answer. I asked early in the show, question from Ed Ballow, uh, is what two drivers that had started this past weekend's Daytona 500 have made starts in the open wheel series, whether it be IndyCar or uh, Champ Car. Uh, the first one should be easy right off the bat, and that is Kurt Busch, who made a, a one-off race in the Indianapolis 500 a couple of years back for Andretti Autosport. 
uh, Bush, who it's shown interest that he would like to do it again at some point. Um, it just has not worked out, per se, but um, that was pretty simple. Um, and when the question was asked to me, while I got hurt very easy, the second driver didn't really come real quick. Uh, first, I thought it may have been Austin Sindrick, uh, which it is not, uh, even though that should have been uh, a logical choice with his father being Tim Sindrick, who is the team manager for uh, Team Penske, uh, pretty much runs the racing division for Roger Penske and is usually found as on top of the pit box for Will Power. Uh, in the IndyCar series. But the correct answer, the other driver to do that, is also a Daytona 500 winner, much like Kurt Busch, and that is this year's winner, Michael McDowell. Uh, McDowell would run uh, two races in 2005, I believe. 2006 uh, would run uh, Mexico City and Surfer's Paradise in the old Champ Car series uh, for Paul Genalozzi's Rocket Rocket Sports uh, team. Um, both of those he finished in the in the late uh, teens, uh, I believe 17th in Mexico City or 18th in Mexico City and 17th in Australia. Uh, so, while his IndyCar career didn't turn out pretty good, I, I think that nice piece of hardware that he just brought to North Carolina makes up for it. Anyway, um, sorry I kind of droned on. There was a lot to talk about about this week's uh, race. So, anyway, I'm just going to sign off. And until next time, I'm Matt Hardman, and I will see you at the track.